Welcome to the INS Infusion Room, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. The Infusion Nurses Society is recognized as the global authority in infusion therapy and is devoted to setting the standard for infusion care. I'm Dawn Berendt, your podcast host and the Clinical Education and Publications Manager for INS. Hello and welcome to this episode of INS Infusion Room. My guest today is Vlasta Hakes, Senior Director of Corporate Affairs at Griffles. Welcome, Vlasta. Hello, thank you for having me. Our topic today is about plasma and more specifically plasma donation. But before we begin that discussion, let's start out by having you tell us about your background and your work. Sure, I'm happy to. Um, I've been with Griffles for over 15 years, and I've been working out in our communities and talking about the importance of plasma, plasma donation, and making sure that our centers can operate in the communities in which they are in. Well, now let's talk about your organization. Who is Griffles? Griffles is a global healthcare company, and we operate a network of plasma donor centers uh, across the country under the names of Biomat USA, Telecris Plasma Resources, and IBBI. And what we're doing it with these centers is we're collecting plasma, and then Griffles manufactures these plasma into life-saving medicines. So most of our listeners have a fairly good understanding about the various components of blood, but let's zero in and review plasma. So plasma is a portion of the blood, and plasma contains proteins and antibodies that help our bodies function. Plasma is also mostly water, so there's only a little bit of those protein and antibodies in each plasma donation. And why is plasma needed? So what we're doing is uh, the proteins and antibodies help our bodies function. So there are people who are born without these proteins or antibodies. So Griffles is taking that plasma and making the medicines. So plasma is critical in helping our bodies function, and these medicines help replace that in uh, patients who might not have those naturally. Mm -hmm. And where do plasma medicines come from? They come from donors. They come from people. The very first uh, starting uh, point starts at our plasma donor centers when a person comes in and donates plasma. And then from there, we take the plasma and we manufacture it and, and pull out those proteins and antibodies and actually make those medicines that then people can use. I wonder if COVID-19, the pandemic, has impacted plasma donation. It has. Uh, what's happened is, you know, when the pandemic first hit, everybody was home, right? We were all mm -hmm. at home. We were all isolating and, you know, so were our donors. Now, thankfully, our centers were able to remain open and the federal government recognized as plasma donors and employees as essential. So we were able to remain open, but our really our struggle was getting people comfortable to come in and donate plasma. So it's taken over the last two years, we have implemented all sorts of safety protocols to help make it comfortable for people to come in. But yeah, we have been, there's been an impact to donors, uh, donors coming in, and we're continuing to work to get those numbers back up. So thankfully, it is improving. Um, we're continuing to get more and more people coming in, but we continue to need and encourage more people to become plasma donors. Yeah, so then let's go ahead and talk then about who can be a plasma donor. 
So really anybody who is in general good health can potentially be a plasma donor. Uh, you have to be over 18 years of age. Uh, as I mentioned, be in general good health. Uh, you'll come in, um, you'll do a health screening at the center. So we make sure that you are healthy to donate. You need a driver's license and a proof of local address because we want to make sure that you're coming from the local area. So are there any disqualifications for donating plasma? So there are, um, I, you know, there, there's, it really depends on the health profile. So certain health conditions will prevent you from being able to donate. Because when we look at a donor, we look at it from two sides. We want to make sure that the donor is healthy to donate so taking the plasma doesn't harm them. We also want to make sure that the plasma they're donating is a good plasma to go into our medicine. So any high-risk behaviors could potentially uh, prevent you from donating plasma as well as some uh, health conditions. The best way to figure out whether or not you qualify is to visit a local center and, and learn, uh, speak directly to the staff there. And now let's talk about the process of donating plasma <laughs> and how often you can donate. So let's, let's kind of describe what a donor goes through when they enter a plasma center. Sure. So first of all, I'm just going to put it out there. Thousands of people donate plasma every day. It's a very safe procedure. It's something that is uh, very common, and we've perfected it over the years. So it is a process that's very similar to whole blood donation, but there are some key differences um, that I'll go into. So when somebody comes in, the first time they come in, they are going to get a very detailed health screening. So we recommend that a donor gives themselves about two hours of time that first donation. And that's because of that health screening. Again, we want to make sure that there isn't any health condition that might prevent you from donating. And the other thing is uh, we also do a physical. So we do a physical on that first donation as well as once a year. Uh, again, this is just to assure that you're healthy to donate. We want to make sure that we're not taking plasma that you need. As I mentioned, plasma donation also, you know, it's up to two hours. Plasma donation takes longer in general. And this is because what we're doing is we are separating the plasma from the red blood cells and we return the red blood cells. So all we're keeping is the plasma. And this is key because plasma is mostly water other than these proteins and antibodies. So the body quickly regenerates plasma. So somebody can donate much more frequently, up to twice a week with a full day in between, because our bodies recover plasma within 24 hours. And because we are returning those red blood cells, the process as a result also takes longer. So it takes a little bit, about an hour or so for the, for the once you're a regular donor to donate plasma. Sure. So if people are thinking about, well, I, I do donate whole blood. Like you said, that is a lot faster. Whole mm -hmm. blood just, it, you know, it just takes a number of minutes actually to fill a bag. But with plasma, you're separating out that component that we want and giving the donor back yep. um, their red cells. So it, it does take, there's a bit of a process there. And, you know, in my experience, people have had some really nice chairs, some good TV shows. Yes. <laughs> there are ways of making it very comfortable uh, for the donors. Yeah, we've heard uh, people, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of parents come in and take it as their break from their kids for an hour. Um, students come in and they do their reading while they're, while they're donating, uh, podcasts. People can listen to this while they're donating plasma. There's a lot of, uh, all of our centers have Wi-Fi, uh, so people can watch TV as well on their phones. So it is, the time I think goes pretty quickly for most of our donors. So do donors receive rewards for their donation? Yeah, this is another, I think, really great thing that uh, 
for plasma donors is because of the time and the commitment, right? We're talking, hey, come in potentially up to twice a week, as well as uh, it takes a little over an hour. We do provide a compensation, so it's a it's a, a donor card that every time they come in, they'll get um, they'll get some uh, money put on that as a thank you for their commitment. Uh, this is our way to say thank you, as well as to encourage people to come in. You know, it takes anywhere from 130 to 1,200 donations to make enough medicine to treat one person for one year. We need those donations. We need people to come in, you know, that, that minimally that twice a week, once a week, you know, whatever works for their schedule, but really encouraging them to come in. And we know that having these rewards helps encourage people to come in more often. And it's our way of saying thank you for, for helping save lives. So maybe you can talk about how long it takes that donation of plasma to actually reach a patient in need? It's quite the process. So as I mentioned, it starts with our centers. So once the plasma is finished, um, it will go and get tested. We test every donation, then it is shipped out of the center. It'll take up to 12 months before that medicine is ready to be given to a patient. And that's because once we take the plasma and test it, it's put in a warehouse and we store it for up to three months while we just make sure as the donor comes in, we get continue to get test results and health history screening just to kind of keep it there as that extra precaution. And then once it goes in the manufacturing process, there's many different steps that to help us pull out those proteins. And it, it, you know, one way to look at it is sort of like like milk, right? When you have milk, you have cheese out of it, you get cream, you get sour cream, you can do different things. Sort of with plasma in a, in a weird way, it's a similar thing because we make different medicines. So different parts of the medicine are pulled off from different parts of the process. Then we have to also, we, we make sure that everything is um, by what we call viral inactivation. So we make sure that there's nothing bad in the plasma medicine. We check it and then, it, you know, so that whole process will take some time. So again, when you're talking about the need for plasma donors, you know, right now it's the most critical time that we need to have people coming in because we don't want there to be an impact to those medicines a year from now. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the donation process. Um, how can potential donors find a place to donate their plasma? Well, Griffles operates over 300 centers across the country. So my guess is uh, anybody has a, a center in their backyard. That being said, if it's not a Griffles center, another center would work as well. Um, most of the, the process and the regulations are very similar across all of the plasma donor companies. Uh, but we can, if you go to uh, grifflesplasma.com, at grifflesplasma.com, we have a listing of all the locations of where there's centers. And then each center has sort of their little mini business page where we talk about hours and how to contact them to learn more information. The website also does include some great information about what it takes to be a donor. Again, uh, it talks about the requirements, the process. So if anybody wants to get a little bit more detail on exactly what it means to donate plasma, there's a lot of great information on that website for that as well. And how can we encourage donation? Well, I think it's part of it is talking about it, um, letting letting friends and family understand the need for plasma. You know, everybody knows that there's a need for whole blood, and there absolutely is a need for whole blood. There's also an equal need for plasma. So it is something that I always say is do one or the other. Go donate blood. Go donate plasma. Depends on your schedule, right? Some people can only have time to go every 56 days. Other people do have the time to put it in their schedule to go in once a week. 
I encourage people to look at a way to give back through either blood or plasma donation. Obviously, I prefer plasma donation because we, we really do, do need that. And there's a lot of benefit to patients for that. But it's a great way to give back. It's a great way to um, get, you know, earn and get a little bit of extra money while doing it. It's a time to relax. And one of the really interesting things, too, is that we operate a program where donors can give a portion of that uh, payment, that reward, to a charity. So, for instance, we have the Immune Deficiency Foundation. This month in April, we're raising uh, money for them so donors can give a back a portion of, that, of their donor fee and give it to, to IDF. So these are also programs that we operate at our centers to encourage uh, donors to, to give back and uh, potentially help um, help the community that they're you know helping twice through their plasma donation as well as through a potentially a financial um, uh, donation as well. Vlasta, why don't you describe for us some of the medications that are made from donated plasma? And then also tell us about the types of recipients of those medications. What, what types of illnesses are we able to treat? So there's a, there's a range. So we range anywhere from treating um, rare and chronic conditions to being used in the hospital setting for emergency use. So I'll start sort of on the rare side. Uh, we have uh, one of our um, key populations that we help treat our people with primary immune deficiency diseases. Uh, these are the diseases where uh, patients' immune system or people's immune system doesn't properly work because they're missing those antibodies. So what they're doing is we're getting the plasma from healthy donors, pulling their antibodies and making what I call almost like a mini immune system in a vial that then goes, goes and supports the people whose immune systems aren't working uh, properly. Well, one of the other conditions that's related to the immune system is uh, CIDP. Um, which is, I cannot pronounce it all the way, but it's where, <laughs> it's where um, someone's immune system attacks their nerves and it can cause um, paralysis. And, uh, immune, and one of the medicines can potentially help uh, reverse those effects and is, is, is used as a treatment. We also uh, treat bleeding disorders. So uh, type of hemophilia, for instance, is where someone is missing a protein that helps their blood clot. So we um, help replace that protein. So literally, we are putting that piece in to help the clotting process so somebody um, with hemophilia could um, not have as many bleeds potentially. We also um, treat a genetic form of emphysema. This is alpha-1 antitrypsin is, um, is another plasma medicine. Alpha-1 is, as I mentioned, is a genetic emphysema. Somebody who's never um, smoked or been in a bad environment can potentially um, develop emphysema, and that's because of their um, of their genetics, and they're born with their uh, system not properly making um, an, the antitrypsin protein. So we are actually helping uh, replace that to potentially you know, slow down the effects. We're not going to reverse it, but at least help potentially um, slow down the effects. And so those are some of the more rare conditions. We also um, treat, uh, we make uh, hyperimmune globulins. So these are specific uh, medicines that treat uh, conditions, for instance, if you've stepped on a rusty nail and you don't know when the last time you had your tetanus shot, we will give you a medicine that focuses antibodies for tetanus to help um, prevent potentially an infection. We also have a medicine that is used uh, for, uh, for mothers, uh, pregnant women, uh, when they're in, uh, their blood types are incompatible with their babies. And we also have a rabies. So if you get bitten by a, <laughs> by a fox, if anyone's been watching the news in D.C., uh, we recently had somebody get bitten by a fox on Capitol Hill. 
you know, they got, uh, they got the rabies uh, medicine, and that's, again, to prevent potentially that infection from coming. And then one of the most more common ones that people don't even know that they'll get is in the hospital setting during emergencies. Uh, uh, one of those is it's a volume expander. It helps bring medicine and rush medicine through the system. And this can happen. Someone might have, you know, have open heart surgery. They might get it. They're uh, burn and trauma. And there's other things that we're looking with that. But there's, um, there's a lot of um, use there that people may not even know that they've gotten the plasma medicine. I have heard plasma called liquid gold. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and it's it's and it's our goal that people can prevent p- potentially help give and and help and really help save and improve lives. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for bringing to the forefront today the necessity of plasma donation and the value that it brings, not only to the recipient but also to the donor as well. And we are happy to share this important message or the call to donate. And I'm going to ask you for any closing words before we conclude our podcast. Well, I would just uh, first say, um, first say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. This is definitely one of my favorite topics. But just again, the, the, my, my key takeaway, I hope everyone learns, is that plasma donation is really important. It's important in helping save lives. It's a great way to give back. It's an easy way to give back. It takes, you know, minimum two hours a week if you do, you know, do the maximum. Otherwise, you can do it by once, once a week for an hour and you can give back, help others and, uh, and know that you are, are helping save lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Flasta, for being my guest today on INS Infusion Room. This concludes this episode of INS Infusion Room, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. We welcome your comments. You can reach us at infusionroom at ins1.org. That's infusionroom at ins1.org. Thank you for listening.